Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Gortman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call. All time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Coming up in just a few minutes, we have Abram Chamberlain of AFC Mobile. This is the club that has set all the attendance records for the Gulf Coast Premier League in their first two seasons. So look forward to chatting with him coming up here in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, just uh, want to catch you up on uh, a, a quick bit of news. We mentioned this earlier in the week about Manchester City being under investigation with financial fair play uh, allegations, uh, the, the, these allegations uh, and these breaches of financial fair play were uncovered in um, the football leaks uh, case. And um, it's not really a case, but an incident uh, that's been termed the football leaks, kind of based off of WikiLeaks. And uh, in there were, were, you know, were private emails and communications, etc. This is how some of this stuff came to light. And it was announced earlier today that UEFA's club financial control body is pressing on with potential disciplinary action against Man City. So um, the 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 news was not good for Man Manchester City Football Club or its supporters. It appears that they are going to continue to push this case uh, down the track as far as they can take it. Um, there, there are many within the committee that have been vocal about wanting to make sure that this body has teeth and that financial fair play uh, can not only be implemented but enforced. And so with that kind of setup and with that mentality, Manchester City is kind of facing a little bit of an uphill battle. And uh, I don't know if it's going to result in a one season Champions League ban, which has been what has been rumored. But I do think that we are headed to some type of punishment. Uh, I, I don't see right now how Manchester City, looking at what is out there so far, I don't see how Manchester City escape uh, some form of pun punishment. I don't know how far that goes. Uh, we'll just have to kind of see what, you know, what that is and, and kind of how that plays out. But um, you know, I, I don't know, I, I doubt very seriously that's going to affect, um, their, their, uh, premier league championship this year there and, and the title, I don't see, you know, a point deduction or anything like that coming as a result of it. Now I'm not saying it's off the table. I just, I don't, I don't see the English FA and the premier league, um, stepping in, in that way, but who knows, you never know, um, you know, I I definitely think they're headed for something. Just don't know what that is. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow that and see what happens as a result of that. Um, and and as the as this committee continues to push for sanctioning, push for punishment, uh, we will see what you know what Manchester City is able to to do in light of that, as well as how far they're able to appeal this if, if in 
in fact, it does come down against them. So don't know what that's going to be. Don't know how exactly how that's going to turn out. But you know what? It, you know, we, we will watch it play out, and we will definitely be following it. Um, Manchester City might be uh, the most ambitious club in the world when you look at how much money they're willing to invest to match their stated ambitions. So um, definitely something to keep an eye on, definitely something we will be following. Also yesterday, Ajax uh, won the title for the first time, the Eredivisie uh, title for the first time in five years. Uh, apparently, Daily Blend is their good luck charm. He um, he was on the team the the last year that they won the Eredivisie, and then he transferred to Manchester United. He came back for this season, and they won the title again. So um, it, it appears that Daily Blend is their uh, lucky rabbit's foot, and I anticipate that Ajax will. Be trying to keep him around for a while to see if they can uh, start to string together a a run of these championships. Um, it was it was fun to see the the team celebrate. You had a mixture of veterans. You have obviously a mixture of some of the youth. Frankie De Jong, we already know, is leaving for Barcelona. Uh, there are a lot of rumors out there about the captain uh, Delit uh, leaving as well uh, for Barcelona this summer. We will see. Those of us who are Barcelona supporters are, are hoping that that uh, rumor becomes uh, news. Um, but he is, he is well sought after, and, and there are clubs around the world. The biggest clubs in the world want DeLitt really bad. And so we will see how this plays out uh, with, with Ajax and DeLitt and, and, and Barcelona and, and other clubs. But uh, it was great to see um, them celebrate, win their championship uh, away uh, from from Amsterdam on the road, but to see them celebrate and um, it was it was it was a really cool moment and it's always fun to see the culmination of a season. This is one of the things I think is missed about single table here in America. We've gotten so indoctrinated with playoffs, and so we're like, well, you know, you played the regular season, but where's the playoffs? You know that that's the the, the highlight. Where's the playoffs? A single table is a season-long playoff. It is a single season-long tournament. Um, if you're in the Premier League, if you're in La Liga, you're playing 38 fixtures, 38 matches. That is your tournament, and every team is in it. And at the end of that tournament, one team is crowned the champion. If ever there is a measure of who should who should be the champion single table is the best method to do that every team plays every other team home and away and in in a, in a single team uh, table format with a um, equal schedule and when you have that kind of format you have no doubt at the end of the season who the champions are in in this case this year in the Premier League, Manchester City, setting aside these issues we mentioned a second ago, they won the league with 98 points. Liverpool finished second with 97 points. This is over the culmination of 10 months, 38 matches, home and away with every other opponent in the league. There was no doubt who the two best teams were in the Premier League by the end of the season, and they were battling it out to see who would finish in first. And you can go back and you can look at how, you know, a fraction of an inch separated Liverpool from the title. If that ball is not saved off the line against Manchester City, if the ball doesn't hit the post against Manchester City, Liverpool win the league. If Manchester City, same thing. If Manchester City's goal doesn't go in by just a fraction um, away uh, to Burnley, I believe it was, then then Liverpool, same thing, win the league. The, the, the entirety of the season matters. It, it's so important. That is that is the, 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 the real beauty of the game. It, I don't know how much you follow baseball, but Bobby Cox, the legendary manager of the Atlanta Braves, he led the Atlanta Braves on a 15-year run into the playoffs they won their division for 15 years in a row it's crazy that streak 
Um, and and I don't see that streak being matched anytime soon. The consistency and the longevity of that run is incredible, and I don't think it gets enough notice. But when you talked to Bobby Cox about the run, he valued the regular season even more than the playoffs because he felt like that 162 regular season games was a better, more accurate picture of who the quality teams were, who the best teams were. So, you know, to me, that is that is relevant when we look at soccer. And this is why I think soccer and and the single table balance schedule is is to me the best format in the world for play. It, it means every game matters. It means every tackle matters. Every shot matters. Everything from August when you kick off through May matters and it's important. And uh, and so I, I think that's something we miss in America. In fact, we, we kind of live in an upside down world here in the U.S. U.S. soccer has us believing all kinds of craziness and and operating and living with all kinds of chaos. The, the Federation does not do its job. It does not lead. It does not organize. In the absence of order, you get chaos. Go into a, a preschool and watch two and three-year-olds run around without any instruction. It's chaotic. Now, they may be having fun, but it's loud. And toys are going everywhere. And that is American soccer. That is what happens when you have a federation that does not do order. They do not implement order. They do not make sure that everything is in alignment. So because the Federation doesn't do that, we don't have an opportunity to see this single table process play out. Instead, we've let MLS run on their own and essentially run the Federation. And everything below MLS has been chaotic. Now the USL should be commended for, for this one point. They have figured out a way in the last 10 years to navigate the chaos and to create a sense of order with Division Two, Division Three, and their amateur league. And this recent rebranding of USL Championship, USL League One into USL League Two has been a marketing ploy, but it's also been their attempt to create uh, order in the place of chaos. The Federation has not been addressing or handling American soccer from a sense of order, calm, direction, leadership. The Federation has instead been creating a, a system of toddlers that run around American soccer screaming at each other, fighting each other. You have U.S. youth versus U.S. club. You have... You have USASA versus USSSA. You have um, the, the, the NPSL versus the UPSL. You have this regional league versus that regional league. And instead of creating order, which means sanctioning every single league out above a, a state boundary level, so if a league was operating within the state of Virginia – then it would be sanctioned by Virginia. If that league is going to include teams from, from Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, etc., now that league gets sanctioned by the Federation and then gets ranked in order from MLS at 1 all the way down to this league, maybe at 8, 7, 5, whatever the case may be. Instead of that, and then having those leagues be connected and the winners go up and the losers go down, that is, that is order. That means every club everywhere in the country knows exactly what their pathway is. They know if they play in this league and win, they go up to this league. They're, it's not sitting down and trying to figure out where they go from here. It's not trying to figure out how they can bring in more money to, to be able to buy this league or buy into this league or jump from a, a local league or a non-existent team at all all the way into the first division. That's chaos. And that's what the Federation has given you. Happy birthday, America. 
That is what we're stuck with. Chaos. Toddlers. Preschool. Instead, the Federation needs to step up, sanction every league above the state level directly, and create a system that is organized and connected. In the absence of that, we will always have league wars. We will always have people fighting, people battling, people going to court. Why? Because the Federation has created a system of chaos. And in, in, in having chaos around this country, having chaos where, where we are not able to, to see the, the um, progress happen on the field based on sporting merit, in the absence of that, we get what we see today, which is a club trying to figure out on their own where they go from here. That is not what the Federation should be doing and the Federation should be leading they should be creating order and if they would we would see the drama that we see around the world start playing out here and eyeballs would get glued in America loves drama America loves sports America loves to support winners and champions set it up let's do this let's make it work for everyone, everywhere. Our sponsor for today's show is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water, you can check them out at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. They are changing lives one village at a time. Learn more again at charitywater.org. We will be right back with Abram Chamberlain right after these messages. Welcome back into the show. We are delighted to have joining us Abram Chamberlain, the president of AFC Mobile. Abram, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for making time. Uh, I, know, I know you're busy with uh, the season already underway and finishing up uh, the school year. You know, your day job as a teacher. So, um, you know, you you, uh, you went from wearing uh, the, the the coaching hat with the, the high school and now you're you're running the, the club and, and uh, along with the other guys on the board. So, uh deep into GCPL territory and uh, kicked off the season last Saturday uh, against Tallahassee. Uh, tell us a little bit about the about what you saw, what you were hoping to see, um, 
at the game last Saturday? Well, I mean, obviously we were hoping to see a win, and we didn't quite get that. Um, Tallahassee put a very strong team together. I know they've been practicing for a little bit longer than we have. We're still getting some guys in. Um, overall, I think we played well, but I don't think we played we, – we looked a lot like a team that's only played a few games and had a few practices together. I think that once they get a little more cohesion among them, and I believe we're going to head to that direction at some point this year – um, we get a little more idea of, you know, where we want the ball played, how we want the ball played. We gather a little bit of an identity. I think they'll play a lot better. I'm, I watched, uh, I've been watching a lot of GCPL just because it, it's nice, you know, local regional league. I went over and watched Pensacola and Rangers, and you sort of saw a lot of the same things there as well, where Rangers looked a little more together. They had a lot of U-Mobile guys, so they looked very, a little more, a little more together than, say, Pensacola may have. But you could tell with both squads, it was a lot of guys still kind of learning to play together. And that's sort of the funny thing with these short league seasons, these short 10 to 12 week seasons, where you really have a very short amount of time for the coaches to sort of twist these screws, get things together, get all their guys in. And then the season's pretty much over by the time you've formed any sort of identity as a team. What what gives you guys, the board, uh, optimism for this year? Compared to the last, you know, couple of years, this is your third year in existence, third year in the Gulf Coast Premier League. You've never made the playoffs, although you've been setting all kinds of attendance records, not just for the Gulf Coast Premier League, but, you know, outdrawing uh, professional teams in, in the USL um, there at, at AFC Mobile. What, what gives you guys, as you, as you look at your, where you've been the, the last couple of years, Coming into this year, um, reason for optimism and hope that uh, on-the-field success finally is going to arrive like your off-the-field success uh, you've, you've enjoyed these last couple of years? Well, I know some of the things. We did. We had a coaching change. Um, Nate Nicholas stepped down uh, maybe in December, November of this year. Uh, we were made aware of that before, and we sort of did this, this coaching search where we sort of went and we found a coach who we thought ambition-wise matched the ambition of the club. Um, I've sat through some of the training sessions, which are incredibly dynamic, and I've just been very excited watching him sort of work his magic, do his thing. Um, he's pulled in a lot of our existing players. We've got that pool. We've got that Chisholm. We've got Memo. We've got uh, some of our guys from the first year who didn't play last year. Amos is back. We've got uh, Baba Mediator is back. And then we've added sort of these pieces. Uh, Dominic Nishimbin, great goalkeeper out of Duquesne. Uh, a lot more sort of Division One, Division Two NAIA guys to sort of supplement the local guys who we already have, sort of improve that quality of player. I think we saw some of that on Saturday, but on the same hand, you know, again, it's that getting to know each other period where these are guys who really haven't played much together. I mean, most people are well aware of the, the, the whooping that we took against Chattanooga where we had guys who had not played a single minute together, had only trained together maybe once, and in some cases I believe showed up and played that game. Maybe not the smartest idea in the world, but they showed up. They, they took their beating, then they came back the next week and sort of did the same thing to Baton Rouge, a GCPL-level opponent where we beat them 7-2 and looked really strong while doing that while still adding – more players so I think we've got sort of this mix of new coach new players and then the addition of some of our core guys from last year back to play again and it sort of gives us this hope this ambition that we're going to finally be able to put a product on the field that matches the support we're getting from the community so let's go back but before we go any further let's go back to the beginning the origin story of AFC Mobile you know, where did this idea come from and, and why did you feel like it was so important to, uh, you know, put together this project from the, from the, in, in the first place? Why was this something that you were, you were willing to, you know, put your time and energy and resources behind to, to get AFC Mobile started? You know, where did it come from and, and why, why is this something that you, you wanted to do? So, I was a member, founder, I guess you could say, of a supporters group for an NPSL team that was in Pensacola, which was run incredibly poorly. Uh, they folded prior to the end of their season. I think it was two, three games into the season, perhaps three games into the season. 
And there was just sort of a complete and utter disregard for the players once that happened. So during those matches that they had, there were, you know, 10 to 15 people there watching the game. So, you know, even the low levels of GCPL where you're not getting, you know, six, seven, eight hundred people out to watch have more than that. But more so than sort of that fan experience, it was sort of about you need to have respect for these players. At the end of the day, this is about how you treat your players, what you do for your players. And we sort of had the idea that we can do this. We can make, you know, myself, Sean Landry, who's one of our board members, Mitchell Kahaley, um, Jeff Moody was, was part of it early on, that sort of you can't just abandon players when things go wrong. So we wanted to have something that was primarily we wanted a place for guys to play. Secondarily, we wanted something that people could support. Now, most of the guys who went to those Pensacola games, ironically, were from Mobile. Um, I'm sort of dead in the middle in Baldwin County, I'm not from Mobile, not from Pensacola. So we sort of got the idea that we can build a club that represents the city of Mobile for Mobile players, where we are building not just for the culture of the city, but also sort of all the different soccer communities that exist within the city, whether that be the young players, whether that be the old players who play in the uh, Wasasa, the South Alabama Soccer Association, whether that be the guys who are home for college, the guys who are two or three years out of college, we can sort of build something for everybody. And we have been far more successful than I ever would have imagined. I know that our very first game that we had in AFC Mobile, I was going around telling the other guys on the board, I was like, you know, we might only get 100 guys here. We might only get 50 people here. You know, don't, don't, don't get upset when we only have 120, 130 people come through the door. And then in that first game, I think our number, I don't remember the exact number. I think it was like 672, 700, somewhere in that range. And that just sort of, we built and built and built from there. And it's still to this day, it's a shock to me that this many people have come out to support this club and this sort of community that we've been trying to build within the city of Mobile and really beyond. So you you have done incredible work in building the brand of AFC Mobile to be able to garner support. Um, we had uh, Gerardo Flores on earlier this week talking about Gulf Coast Rangers, which is a, a, a local rival uh, in the Gulf Coast Premier League for AFC Mobile. Both play in the GCPL. And... The, the Rangers uh, club is set up as a generational club. They have, you know, first teams, they have youth academies, etc. You guys are the quintessential amateur team story of American soccer of the last 10 to 15 years in that very similar to Detroit City, Chattanooga, uh, and others where the these clubs that are playing in amateur leagues are formed as kind of a single team club uh there's not multiple teams going down you know into your 10 11 12 year olds or or even younger um as as you guys were thinking about building something for the soccer community and and building an organization a soccer club that would represent mobile what was the thinking behind being a single team club versus a a generational club or was that even a, a thought at all when you guys were, were trying to get this thing going from the beginning? I honestly don't think there was at the beginning a thought behind, I mean, we uh, behind being a generational club. I think it was more the idea of an aspirational club. If that, that's, I don't know, that's a, maybe that's a coin I'm terming. Ter, maybe that's a term I'm coining right now is aspirational club where it's more of the, I guess you could say the quintessential American sports model. Now, a lot of this may have come down to the fact that outside of myself, I don't think most of the members of our board really, I'm trying to think of a way to put this. So I, I coach in my spare time, ha, 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 my spare time. And I, I coach high school. I coached my son for a while before I got him involved in his own youth club. But the truth of the matter is we were looking for something for the adult players without really thinking about the implementation of a youth system, which honestly at the time where we were just sort of a pipe dream, I think the idea of a youth club may have been beyond what we were capable of doing. If that, 
I'm not sure if I'm making sense there. I think ideally we would want to have, we want to have youth involved. And there's so many youth organizations in the Mobile area, in the Baldwin County area, that is sort of, it almost felt like we'd be stepping on toes to do that, if that makes sense, where we don't want to come in and sort of be, holy cow, excuse me. Sorry, I got an alarm going off in my ear. We didn't want to come in and sort of step on toes is the best way that I can think about it. And we wanted to be as inclusive and welcoming to all these other existing youth organizations rather than coming in and being like, we are, we are the show. We are the most important. And you guys need to all sort of fall in line or else, which is sort of sometimes how I feel that would have felt if we were to have jumped in all feet and began from the beginning with another youth club in Mobile. That that makes sense, um, and at, I think it's important to for the audience to to get some feedback on that as well because it's something I I'm passionate about about getting clubs to become generational clubs. Um, the the club that I mentioned a, a second ago, Gulf Coast Rangers, they were not a generational club either. Uh, from from the, the beginning of their existence, they were just a youth club. They didn't have first teams, so it was a you know obviously a little bit easier for them to become generational by, you know, plopping a first team down on top of uh, a pyramid without a point. If you get the uh, illustration there, um, and and so. You know now they they are a generational club. They're second year in the in the GCPL on the men's side, and and so you know looking at clubs and, and origin stories like AFC Mobile, I think it's important for the audience to to hear some of that feedback of what was what was the thought process in the beginning. What were you looking at? What were you thinking about? Dreaming about? And and and, and at the same time, pragmatism. You know, feeling like okay, there's there's only so much of us to go around whether that's time whether that's talent whether that's resources and and so you know we want to put our best foot forward how do we do that and how do we try to do that in a way that doesn't jeopardize uh what we hope to be the main thing and the main thing for a club like afc mobile is going to be the first team because that's the only team but it's but it's it's also the the most important piece for the majority of clubs around the world. It's their first team. Their first team is what brings in revenue that trickles down to their academies. It brings in uh, the ability to to not only have, you know, butts and seats and tickets, but it also allows, you know, commercial deals and sponsorships and other pieces that allow clubs to not only survive, but to, to be able to grow and thrive. So uh, I think, I think, you know, hearing from you what the thought process was in the beginning, looking at an AFC Mobile and looking at the market that is Mobile, um, and 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 the and the region that you you are in to to understand. Okay, here's where we are. Here's what we can do. Let's focus on that and build that. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, earlier, you guys have done a very good job off the field figuring out how do we build something from nothing the afc mobile did not exist until you guys launched the brand launched the logo launched the club there was no afc mobile so this was from scratch went into the community no youth apparatus whatsoever and you know went into your first game and then built from there um you know a following in the community in mobile that has you know seen you set attendance records for the entire Gulf Coast Premier League. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I think you guys deserve a lot of credit for that work. Now, I, as I mentioned earlier uh, about the on-the-field pieces, that's, to me, as, as an observer, that's kind of the next step. What does, what does AFC Mobile look like on the field? How do we, how do we get over that hurdle of actually making the playoffs or winning the league um you know the actual football business the soccer business that you guys are in and executing on that side and 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 so you kind of bringing that back around with 
some of the the changes you guys have made in terms of coaching, uh, bringing in players, etc. I'm curious, as you guys were looking at that and going through that process, uh, I'm sure there had to be some disappointment, some frustration, you know, second year in the league uh, at the end of last year going, man, you know, we, we've got to figure this thing out on the field. We've got to start to to, to do some, some winning and, and really kind of matching uh, soccer credibility with the business credibility that you guys have established. What was what were the conversations like in terms of playing philosophy or um, objectives uh, going into this year as you were looking at a coach and looking at you know building off of what you had already established as a core for the club? You know what was that like getting ready for year three? Well, I think sometimes, and it's true that we haven't made the playoffs yet. We were up to the playoff race until the very last weekend of last season. Um, we vastly improved in our points. We vastly improved on our goal differential. We uh, ended up actually, I think, with a plus seven or plus eight, and we just sort of, you know, we fell short because we fell short. And it sort of came down to, uh, as we became aware that Coach Nicholas was going to step down, we needed to find someone who was equally, who knew the local community, but in addition had sort of this ability to reach a little bit beyond and build from there. And I keep, uh, you know, you keep using the word. I don't think you've used the word quite as much as I have, but that idea of ambition. And the the big thing for us this year is obviously, you know, make the playoffs. That's got to be the big thing. You know, the the dream is to to make the U.S. Open Cup, um, but let's take it one baby step at a time to make the playoffs. Because as you said, which is, you can draw 1,500 people, but if you're winning the league, it doesn't matter how many people you win the league in front of. You know, you can lose in front of 1,500 people or you can win in front of 20. Now, obviously, I, I always want to have 1,500, 1,600. You know, if I want to have 6,000 people out there watching us, I prefer to have them watching us win because that's the thing that's really going to boost attendance. So as we talk about that business metric, a big part of the business metric is actually the soccer, is actually the winning. You know, the game day experience is great. Our soccer has not been awful you know, we're, we're last year, even in our first year, we were never getting demolished. And so it was sort of, again, the, the phrase that I keep going back to, tightening the screws, you know, adding that one piece, adding that goalkeeper, adding that center back, adding that number six or that number eight that's going to further steer the ship in the right direction, adding a coach who, who has an ability to go a little further beyond the community. We want to be as local as we're allowed to be but we also want to be able to sort of reach beyond this ground and sort of pull in some players who can help us get to that next level, who can help us reach the playoffs, who can help us compete for the league, who help, can help us potentially make a U.S. Open Cup someday. Because at our level, no promotion, no relegation, the best we can hope for is maybe getting into those qualifying rounds of the U.S. Open Cup. And that, I think, is ideally the, the, the dream, the idea, the hope for the, for the board of this club. So looking at that word, ambition, it's a word that, that I do like to use quite often. And, uh, and you're, you're not building a, a project like AFC Mobile going into year three of the Gulf Coast Premier League, averaging the, the attendance you guys have averaged. And, and like I said, you know, beating out Division II professional teams in attendance. Um, you know, that, that's no slouch. That's no... Uh, easy thing to do. You guys have put in the work on that side of the ledger and, you, and you've seen the results of it. And it's obvious it is a byproduct of ambition that you guys are dreaming big. You're working really hard to to live up to that ambition and live up to that dream of doing some significant things. Um, as you look at the club, you guys have taken risks. You have traveled you've you've played against atlanta you this year you played against chattanooga and it didn't go well right i mean let's just be honest it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a good day for the club when you go and you travel you know eight hours and get you know beat a goal basically for every hour you were on the road uh going going there losing nine zero is not a good day for the club however understanding that knowing that you know in, in, anybody could look at that and go that 
anybody involved with AFC Mobile, certainly not happy with the, the result. But you do get to, to see a glimpse of the ambition um, and, and wanting to, to challenge yourselves, to test yourselves, to take those risks, to build things um, that go beyond even the, the, the city and the community of Mobile and take that, take that uh, pride on the road. What, what is the ambition of AFC Mobile? What, what, what are you guys dreaming about when you guys meet and talk and, you know, on a macro level? What, what, are the, what are the thoughts there that are causing you guys, driving you guys to take these actions and take these risks and test yourselves uh, where other teams simply you know, are, are, not, are not doing the same thing? You know, so what is, what, is, what is that level of ambition for you guys? I think for us is we sort of, you know, we recognize who the, the quote unquote biggest amateur clubs in the country are, you know, they are your Chattanoogas. They are your Tulsa's. They are, you know, here to, to a similar extent, your Tulsa's and your Fresno's and your Des Moines. Those are the clubs that we want to be. We want to be that in the Gulf coast region. We want to be that in the Gulf coast premier league. And part of that ambition is is going there and challenging yourself against them. Now, I don't think anyone was under the delusion that we were going to beat Chattanooga. I think we were under the ambition that we would maybe compete a little better than we did, obviously. Maybe we could pull out a draw. Maybe it would be a one nothing. But beyond just the soccer, and the soccer obviously did not go our way that day, there's other things that we get to see, which is how they run things. How do they house players? How do they go about building their club? How are they so intertwined and connected into their own communities? So it's not just, you know, it is, it is, the soccer is the primary thing always. It needs to always 100% be the primary focus of any club. But you've also got to be sustainable. And in order to be sustainable, it's good to look at sort of the, the quote unquote big boys in amateur soccer. What are you doing? How are you at this level now where you're able to make a push to be pro in the fall? Now, I don't think we have quite that ambition because I don't know we don't have that money. But we want to see how they build, how they get to this point. Um, we've had a very good relationship with Chattanooga, with the New Orleans Jesters, excuse me, with the Silverbacks, who are now um, Atlanta SC, I believe is what they've changed the name to. We've had uh, conversations with Little Rock. We've had conversations with uh, Shreveport and sort of trying to figure out what are you guys doing that we can mimic and do either on the same level, preferably, or more likely due to the finances of it, do it on a smaller level to help us improve both physically and on the soccer end. So you bring up a really important point for clubs, and that is if, if you're – if you're wanting to build and you're and you do have ambition, you've got to ask the right people the right questions. Learn from not just what people are doing, but also learn from from what they're not doing, or learn from you know their mistakes. And, and a lot of times, if you, in my experience, when you have conversations with these clubs who Maybe they are at a higher level than where your club is, and 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 I'm speaking generically here, not specifically about AFC Mobile. When when you are a club and you're trying to figure out how do we get to the next level, how do we challenge or test ourselves, take a risk and build, wherever you are uh, in the world uh, or or in the in the U.S., it's important to ask the right people the right questions and listen to what what advice they give you because oftentimes. You know, asking a simple question like, if you could go back to the beginning, what would you do differently? You can learn from the school of hard knocks without having to experience the hard knocks for yourself. So, you know, you, you go to a Chattanooga and you say, hey, how how did you do things in the beginning? And, and having gone through that, what would you do differently if you could go back and do it now? And, and, then, and then, you know, listen and just sit back and absorb they're, they're, my experience are talking with these clubs is they're they're willing to share, they're willing to 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 speak, and they're willing to help you and guide you if you want to listen and learn, seek it out. Um, and so I think it's really um, important that to to highlight that you guys, as AFC Mobile specifically in this case, 
have been doing that, reaching out, asking questions, figuring out what can we do, what level can we do it, and how can we build what we want to do and build it bigger and better for the future. Um, the the club itself is is in their third year. You've got some local players. You've also imported some players um, from from around the country to come in and play and to, to help build AFC Mobile. Um, looking at where you are right now, you, you had a 2-2 draw on Saturday, um, and, and I know there was some weather in the area. Attendance was down a little bit. Is that something that concerned you going into the rest of the season? Do you think that was a blip on the radar? Um, you know, what, what, what was uh, what, looking at kind of taking all of that into account? What is the thought process kind of prepping for the rest of the season in terms of attendance? And, and are you worried at all about a lag in, a, in attendance um, coming into your third year? Well, I, as, as a whole, let's, let's be honest, the attendance was pretty bad um, as far as our club, as far as our club goes. Now, I went to the, the again, I said this before, I went to the Pensacola Rangers opening. Um, we outdrew them, but that's, again, speaking of ambition-wise, that's not good enough. It's just outdrawing what they do. I know we had, it was storming all day. The skies opened up in the middle of the game. You saw sort of the umbrellas go up and the people sort of pouring out. Um, we had a tornado hit that day. So it was sort of a very weird mix of issues that led to that attendance. Now, am I worried? Oh, you betcha. I'm always worried. Like, it, it is 100% worry, like, all the time now. I told you the first game, I was like, maybe we'll get 150 people. And since we didn't get 150 people that game and we got the six 700, ever since then, any time that we're below that number – I do have a little bit of a panic attack. And some of that comes with, you know, our people turning on you because you haven't been successful soccer-wise. Are people not showing up because you lost 9 nothing to Chattanooga? Did they not see what we did to Baton Rouge the next week? Or is it 100% the weather? Um, most of the other people, actually pretty much every people, every other person on the board is like, I think it's just a blip on the radar. I live in a constant state of fear because that's just who I am. That's naturally how I run. And I think that may be part of the reason why we tend to do as well as we do is because of that constant sense of fear that comes out of me, that constant panic that comes out of JT Clark, who's one of our, our general manager. There's sort of this constant worry, this constant fear that what did we do wrong? What can we do better? So I think we'll have a better idea of where we're going to sit attendance-wise come not next week when we're away in Hattiesburg, but the week after that where it's, um, I believe, Pensacola. I have to double-check the schedule because I had a couple dates switched on my personal calendar, but I believe it's Pensacola the week after. Oh, no, it is not. It is Port City. I should know that. That's our big rivalry game. So when that game comes, that's when we'll sort of get an idea of what are we looking at, what are we trying to do, was that actually a blip on the radar, which I – I honestly, even for me, the, the constant state of panic, I kind of think it was a blip on the radar. But you never can really tell until you get to the next one. Certainly, certainly. And I think, you know, I think it's important that you're um, looking at it from an executive mentality of, you know, okay, let's look ourselves in the mirror and, and always be trying to figure out, is there something we can do better? Is there something that we didn't account for? Can we build this? Can we take this up a notch, et cetera, et cetera? In, in, in building AFC Mobile up from the beginning and, and kind of creating, I think synonymous with AFC Mobile has been this legacy of attendance and, and uh, success publicly for AFC Mobile has been married with butts and seats. So even though the on-field success hasn't necessarily reached the level that you guys would have preferred in, the, in your first two seasons, you guys have been successful. And people, I think, measure your success as well on attendance and getting people to come to matches and setting those GCPL attendance records and averaging over 1,000 fans last year, et cetera. What, what did you guys figure out? As you were getting started from the beginning, 
I know you mentioned a, a few times, man, I'm, I'm hoping we have 50 or 100 for the first game and you had over 600. What did you guys figure out? What did you get right in, in setting up AFC Mobile and getting that, um, that out into the community for the, the community to be able to respond like they have and show up to your matches? I think one of the biggest things we did is not be exclusive. We were very inclusive as far as everyone goes. Like, everyone was invited. You've ever picked up a soccer ball? Come on down. You live in Mobile and Baldwin County? Come on down. We've always been very, you know, and I hate this term, but it's true. We've always been a very family-friendly game day experience. We've tried to sort of add that element to it. But our big thing is that that sort of that sort of inclusiveness. We don't want to exclude anyone. We want everyone there. If you live in the city, if you live near the city, if you you know come to Mobile, if you're on Dolphin Street during Mardi Gras, come down, come join us, come be with us, come be part of our organization, come have fun with us for an hour and a half for two hours, come come be with us. And we sort of made sure that we've reached out to everyone, to civic organizations, to youth soccer players, to adult soccer players, to anyone who's ever even looked at a soccer ball. If you're walking down the street and you're wearing, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo jersey, here, come. Do you know about us? Let's talk about you. It's a lot of sort of that that word of mouth talking. It's a lot of, you know, Twitter. It's a lot of Facebook. Um, one of the things that I like and you sort of, and I was trying to figure a way to get this into the conversation is, the way that really the GCPL has sort of worked together. Um, the clubs as a whole have been very inclusive with each other as far as, you know, trading best practices. And sort of we've we've worked with, with Port City on what can you do to get your attendance up. We talk all the time with Gerardo about what can we do better about, you know, what can we do for the players? He's always the one who told us early on that, you know, you have to treat the players right. Uh, we work a lot with Pensacola. We've got a good relationship with them. We've got a good relationship. You know, I haven't met the Hattiesburg people yet, but I'm sure we'll have a fine relationship with them. But sort of talking with all of these groups and saying, what are you doing as far as community outreach? How can we translate that community outreach into the city of Mobile, into Baldwin County, into, you know, Escambia County sometimes? So it's sort of just that idea of being inclusive and inviting everyone and letting everyone know that, you know, we are always mobile. We are always home. This is your home as well as ours. This is your club as well as ours. So let's talk about some of the clubs you just mentioned, Port City, uh, Gulf Coast Rangers, Pensacola, all three geographically within, you know, an hour of AFC Mobile. All three are, you know, for all intents and purposes of American soccer. If you look at the U.S. soccer landscape, that is that is about as good as you're going to get in terms of geography in a regional league style setup in having local rivalries in clubs in proximity that creates rivalries. So you have Rangers, you have Port City, you have Pensacola. What are those match days like away and at home with those clubs that are so close in proximity? And do you think, while you're answering that, and, and do you think having those clubs around helps AFC Mobile with attendance and community outreach and building passion for AFC Mobile as well as the GCPL at large? Our Two, to, to sort of answer that question with a brag, our two biggest attendants ever were last year was AFC versus Gulf Coast Rangers, which was, oh, I forget the number. It was right around, I think it was just south of 1,500. Our second biggest was last year AFC Mobile versus Port City, which again was right around that same number, 1,450, 1,460, something like that. I think it helps incredibly, um, especially as far as those away games go, those home games go. When you've got a club in, in Fairhope and a club in Mobile, which are, you know, you know, I can make that drive in 25 minutes, you're going to get people from both sides of the bay going to both games. I would have to ask Gerardo, but I would bet you anything that their biggest attendance last year was when Mobile played Fairhope or simply played Rangers and Foley. Um, same thing with Port City. Port City did very well last year. I want to say they averaged 
500, maybe 600 fans a game. But I still would bet that their biggest attendance was probably the one where they played Mobile and were just driving that hour down I-10. So I think sort of that, that not necessarily codependence is the wrong word, but that sort of cooperation between us and those other boards. And then our fans having that local and animosity is the wrong word. It does sometimes feel like it's animosity if you listen to them go at it on social media, but sort of that healthy rivalry with each other. And that, I think, boosts attendance on both sides. I think it boosts club value. I think it boosts everything. And sort of a conversation I was having with someone, it may have very well even been you, is sort of, you want promotion relegation in this country, then you need those clubs that are that close together competing all the time for everything, for attention, for players, for sponsorship money, for everything. Because if you do not have that, if you do not instill that passion at a local sense, in a local community, even if that local community is sort of cheering or jeering on a community that's 10, 15, 20 an hour away, then you're not really going to instill passion in anything ever. It's very hard for me now being so far away from really any quote unquote major league team to really have any sort of huge passion for them. I have more passion for AFC Mobile and God's honest truth than probably Pensacola. I probably have more passion for Pensacola and Rangers and Port City and you know, even Hattiesburg, who we haven't played yet in Tallahassee, than I have for any of the major league soccer teams in the country. And it's nothing against major league soccer. I let them do their own thing, but that's not local. These things are very local, so they cause, you know, a great deal of passion, a great deal of pride, a great deal of sort of resentment and joy and passion that you may not get from a club that's five, six, seven hours away. No doubt. And, and, it's something when you look at promotion and relegation and you look at the American soccer system and setting aside the mechanics and, and the what ifs and how to put promotion and relegation together. The, the thing about what we need in this country is proximity. We are a massive country and we need regional leagues like the Gulf Coast Premier League all over this country to be able to facilitate competition and play between a port city in the you know Gulf Coast of Mississippi, Mobile with AFC Mobile, Gulf Coast Rangers, and Pensacola, all basically right on Interstate 10, running basically about 30 minutes apart from from east to west, right across you know Interstate 10 and in, in basically 30 minute segments. It it creates because of the proximity. It does create natural rivalry rivalries. It does. Uh, elevate and boost the the uh, passion level and the intensity. The players feel it. The crowd feels it. Um, you know when that when that game is being played, it it seems to matter more. You you yourself are have have, a, have attested to the fact that you've seen crowds swell whenever you, you, any of those teams are are playing uh, one another, and and it matters. I, I was. I was telling someone this weekend that in an in an ideal world, what I would love to see is AFC Mobile be, get so good at what you do and so big and so powerful that you could put Port City and Rangers and Pensacola out of business. And vice versa, I would like to see Pensacola and Rangers and Port City be able to do the same thing because what would happen is more akin to a Liverpool-Everton situation where you have two big clubs whose stadiums are a mile apart in the city of Liverpool, but they are they have built you know juggernauts as organizations, clubs that have existed and playing in the Premier League, one of the top leagues in the world for you know for decades, and and to see that that kind of excellence play out on the Gulf Coast right here on Interstate 10 between you know the Gulf Coast of Mississippi into the panhandle of Florida and 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 having you know AFC Mobile and Gulf Coast Rangers in between and see all these clubs uh, build and, and grow and and the passion level gets raised and the fans get drawn in it's you know this anyone who has ever come to Alabama knows this 
Alabama or Auburn when you're looking at college sports. It's it's massive. And if if you're a weirdo from Louisiana who 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 lives in Baldwin County or in Mobile or any other part of the the state of Alabama and and you get asked Alabama or Auburn and you go LSU and the response back is LSU, right? LSU and they'll boo you and that's why I'm I'm jokingly saying, you know, you're a weirdo in that you know, it, it, it is one of those things where the passion level in the state of Alabama is so big around Alabama and Auburn. And I think that that soccer, this global game of football, can reach that level in a league like the Gulf Coast Premier League when you have the Port Cities and AFC Mobiles and Pensacolas and Gulf Coast Rangers and others in such close proximity to one another. It in the end, I think it can actually, as you guys are trying to build and become a behemoth and a beast that no one can touch, it it will inspire and drive your competition to get bigger and better. And that competition will play out on the field. It'll play out in the marketplace. And at, in the end of the day, the soccer fans in these communities are going to have much higher quality and much more to enjoy as they see these things build up. Uh, I don't know if you share, you, and you can probably hear it in my voice, if you share that same view and ideology about passion and, and building uh, excellence with these clubs to be able to, to reach those levels. But I, I, see, I see these things play out uh, and have seen them play out in the past, and I, I just think we need more of it, not less. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean... Our, our hope, and we've always said this as a whole, is we want we want AFC Mobile to be the biggest club in the region. We do. That's you know that's ego, that's arrogance, that's whatever. But I also you know I want if AFC Mobile is getting two thousand people a game, I want Rangers to get a thousand. I want Port City to get a thousand. I want Pensacola to get a thousand. I want so many people that care about this, that 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 have that passion that the people who are behind these different clubs have to be the ones who are pushing forward and pushing these clubs to the next level, because that's really what it's going to take. And, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the soccer of it and the soccer of it is, again, I, I keep saying this, the soccer of it is the most important part. The soccer should be the most important part, but without the sustainability that comes from that community engagement, that community support, that community passion, the soccer can just dry up and disappear tomorrow. And we don't want that. So we want to be as big as we can possibly be. And we want not just the clubs that are in that, that Eastern Conference, that Tallahassee, the, the Port City to be as big, but we want those, you know, the two Jackson teams, the the three New Orleans-based teams, the team out in Texas. I mean, Gulf Coast Premier League has grown exponentially since 2016 when Port City came in as the first non-Louisiana team. I mean, the league has absolutely exploded. And then you sort of look around and you see, the great, uh, the great Plains Premier League coming in, that Mountain Premier League coming in. You see sort of the growth in the, the Maryland League, or you know, there's talks of other leagues sort of popping up along the the Atlantic coast. And the more of those you get, the more community engagement you get, the better that the passion is going to be, and the better that soccer as a whole is going to be. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I think it's a great place. For us to to wind up uh, here with your your first appearance on the show, thanks for for coming on the show and uh, for you know sharing your insight, your thoughts uh, about AFC Mobile and uh, the Gulf Coast Premier League regional soccer, um, how we grow the game. All of these things are are relevant and part of you know it, it oozes out of you as you're kind of sharing ideas and sharing thoughts. So. Abram, thanks for joining the show. Um, how how can people find out more about AFC Mobile? Where can they go to learn more about the club and and buy stuff, learn, get to a game? Where's all that information at? So the vast majority of our stuff is on our website, which is afcmobile.net. Uh, we are very active on really all social media. We're, we're AFC Mobile on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, I believe on YouTube. I believe we're also AFC Mobile. So pretty much any any social media, AFC Mobile is either going to be us or this one dude who was running a uh, Arsenal app that for that was going to be mobile. So just ignore him. 
but you can find us afcmobile.net is all your match day information tickets and really links to really anything about us on the internet perfect well thanks for coming on the show and uh, we really do appreciate you uh, spending some time kind of pulling back the curtain on uh, afc mobile and uh, what is what has already happened what is happening now and what you guys are dreaming dreaming about in the future so thanks for coming on the show we look forward to having you back on again soon thanks for having me that was abram chamberlain the president of afc mobile um he is uh gracious to to come by and, and hang out for a while and share his thoughts and insights into what they're doing and, and they have been doing really good stuff off the field and we, we will all wait and see uh how the the league plays out for them this year but um you know, you got to start somewhere, and they, they feel like they've turned the corner. And so we will be watching along, and uh, as will the rest of the league, to see how that goes. So thanks for uh, tuning in to the show today. We really do appreciate uh, you watching the show, following the show, and uh, all the feedback. It's, it's fantastic. So until tomorrow, we'll see you later.